Hi there, and welcome to the Wednesday, September 7th, 2011 edition of Radio Friaz's daily podcast, Everything You Know Is Wrong. Well, tonight is the night for the first major Republican debate that includes Huey Long with good hair. Everybody, well, all the political junkies are excited. I'm, I'm going to watch it streaming on the internet, but we'll be talking all about it tomorrow, and we'll be, in a sense, previewing it today. Yeah, indeed. We'll take a look at uh, all the garden gnomes that are going to be on stage. Uh, we'll be right back. But first, here's a word from one of our platinum sponsors, Alzheimer's Brewery of Rehab Colorado, the makers of Hacker Smack. Want to stay up all night and rule the world? Hack Facebook, spam Twitter, and fuck up Iran? I've been up for a month and a half, burned down every firewall in the Pentagon, put a bug up Goldman Sachs ass and shaved Rick Perry bald on his homepage. Where do I get the energy from this shiny can of Hacker Smack? Yeah, I'm good. That's what all the missiles I've alert. Hacker Smack, the brain draining game changer that'll keep you up if you can keep it down. Hacker Smack is a turbocharged blend of caffeine, alcohol, St. John's Ward ginseng, and country style methamphetamine. Hacker Smack is a deniable byproduct of Alzheimer's Brewery, Rehab Colorado. I'm looking at the all-American thumbnails of the eight garden gnomes who will be debating this evening. My, oh my, where have we come to? From where and to where? Let's start with Michelle Bachman. She's a Christianist, and she's got a foul mouth when she wants to use it. She's a rabble-rouser and has no real experience. She would make a dangerous and inadequate president. Herbert Cain, well, he's an outlier. He can deliver the pizza, but he can't deliver the votes. Newt is functionally crazy. This is a man who's only interested in self-promotion and loading up trinkets from Tiffany's for his wife, Clarista. Then there's John Huntsman, who's famous for speaking the truth. This man is a sage because he says he believes in global warming and evolution. That makes him the truth-teller of the Republican Party. Enough said. Ron Paul, an interesting and cranky annual candidate. And then we have Rick Santorum, who says homosexuality is bestiality. And here's Mitt Romney, who's been around for a long time, got his finger up trying to test the wind, the empty suit, who really isn't turning anybody on. Once a front runner, now well double digits behind the man, Rick Perry. Rick Perry, what a scary guy. I keep flashing back to the... Um, right-wing fascists that threatened Roosevelt, the Father Coughlins, the Huey Longs, but Perry is a lot more sophisticated and he's got a lot more money behind him. People say, well, he may trip himself up in this debate, but we've been warned. He knows how to hold his own. We'll do a post-mortem tomorrow, maybe have a clearer understanding of who's going to be up against the great not-me in the White House. What about the great not-me? Andrew Sullivan, who does the dish for the Daily Beast, says, One profound thing has happened this year. It has become clear that the 2007 recession was much, much more severe than we realized at the time. And isn't that true? 
and that the employment recovery is likely to be stalled for as long as it takes for Americans to pay down more debt. This is not surprising. We know this was a bad one. We also knew that recoveries after financial crashes tend to last longer. But politically, it has upended the core strategy of Obama's re-election. The bet was that recovery would be visible enough by 2012 for voters to remember who got us into this mess and be patient with those trying to get us out of it. For the most part, the bet has failed. The stimulus was not perfect, but it definitely put a floor under the pain, although no one really will admit that. But we've been bouncing along that floor ever since, and in my view, Sullivan's view, far too indebted to risk another huge bout of borrowing to try and kickstart the engine again. I disagree. I say politely, fuck the deficit. It is time to pump prime the economy. Yes, Lord Keynes is right. With Keynes, we are able to do this. <laughs> Excuse the pun. Well, we want to kickstart this engine again, but the Republican brinksmanship over the debt ceiling and the subsequent downgrade seriously hurt the president's image of competence and basically has limited his alternatives. I don't think the president, who enacted universal health care, rescued Detroit successfully, and killed Osama bin Laden and much of al-Qaeda's leadership, can be described as weak. But the Christian right's passionate hatred of the man has taken a toll. And the refusal of the left to defend the administration's substantive achievements has led to Obama once again on the ropes. It's true. Progressives have left him on the ropes. Maybe they came in believing he was a transformational being dropped down to somehow cure the world of the cesspool that W had left. But the fact is, he's just a guy, and we've got to support him if we don't want to have Mr. Perry in the White House. Well, not to worry on one level, because it appears that Obama is very, very strong with his base. His approval ratings are at an all-time low. The president faced a summer of withering second-guessing from prominent supporters who questioned his negotiating skills. They think he was a wimp. Economic priorities. They think he's in the back pocket of the corporations. And liberal credentials. I don't know what it takes to be a liberal today. Obama seems impervious, though. It's no surprise. Do the math. Most of the friendly fire directed Obama's record seems confused about why he's been so cautious, so compromising, so unliberal. Leading theories suggest some force holding him back, whether it's Republican obstruction, the limits of the presidency, or his own plodding temperament. Obama, the argument goes, is hindered from delivering on bolder, transformational change. Obama's record, however, is better understood through a remarkable dynamic. Now get this. He has the highest support among his base of any Democratic president in modern history. Obama's approval among Democrats has hovered around a whopping 80% over the past year. During the same period, the base support for Clinton and Lyndon Johnson was in the 70s. Harry Truman struggled in the 60s. Carter was in the 50s. The only Democrat who comes close to Obama's popularity with the base was JFK in the early 1960s, although he lags a few points behind. If the White House has any concern about losing Democratic voters, it's not from the party's progressive wing. They're still in the high 70s. Normal, middle-of-the-road Democrats are in the 70s. And even right-wing Democrats are 58% behind him. You know what? All in all, the great not-me-in-the-White-House is doing okay. Let's leave our troubles at home for a moment. 
and go abroad and find troubles in Europe. Yes, big Euro trouble. Remember the collapse of Lehman Brothers? I do, and Europeans certainly do. Quote, this crisis has the potential to be a lot worse than Lehman Brothers, said George Soros, the hedge fund investor, citing the lack of a pan-European body to handle an extreme banking crisis. As Europe struggles to contain its government debt crisis, the greatest fear is that one of the continent's major banks may fail, setting off a financial panic like the one sparked by Lehman Brothers' bankruptcy in September of 2008, which brought the whole thing down. Questions continue to mount about the ability of Europe's banks to ride out the crisis as some are having a harder time securing loans needed for daily operations. That's what happened when Lehman's went down. The credit market froze up. Banks wouldn't lend to banks. Everything stopped and it really, truly hasn't started again. American financial institutions seeking to inoculate themselves from the growing risk are increasingly wary of making new short-term loans in some cases and are pulling back from doing business with the European counterparts. Moves that could exacerbate the funding problems of European banks. The growing nervousness was reflected in financial markets yesterday. Stocks in the United States and Europe falling 1% and European bank stocks falling 5% in one day? European bank shares are now at their lowest since March of 2009 when the global banking system was still shaky. Uh -huh. Nevertheless, American institutions remain vulnerable to problems their European counterparts might encounter. At the end of the second quarter, J.P. Morgan Chase, one of the biggies, reported total cross-border exposure of $49 billion to France alone, while Citicorp has $44 billion out there and Bank of America had $20 billion. That's well over $100 billion of possibly bad debt. Oh, you think that big banks in Europe are any safer than the banks that are having problems here? Well then, my dear financial friend, Everything you know is wrong.